Today's gospel is from Matthew chapter 15. This will serve as the basis for the sermon today. This is called the faith of the Canaanite woman as a, as a summary of the story. Listen to what happens in this striking account. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. The Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, when visitors walk in the door, especially if it's their first time, everything's new. And they begin, you could say, what's a process of getting comfortable. Sometimes people never really get there with a church or with people that are there to feel comfortable. Some of you are really comfortable, I think, and that's not a bad thing at all. But one of the striking things to see and appreciate today is the gathering of the community of believers not for being comfortable in, a, in the midst of four walls, but for comfort. When I see a visitor showing up and calling out, Lord, have mercy on me, in Matthew chapter 15, I don't see someone where the pressing issue is being comfortable. The pressing issue is her comfort. I see an emergency. I see a mama bear who's doing whatever she can for her daughter. I see someone calling for an ambulance. Someone who's needs much more than a sideways hug or another shoulder to cry on. She needs someone special who can really, really help. And that's for as, as simple and straightforward a theme as God wants a church for all people and you do this little, oh, slam dunk, send us out the door, pastor. Amen, we got that one. Church for all people you begin to get at the crux of the matter. What's at stake? What we're talking about when you see her plea for someone. And not just someone. Of course you know. She's using very special words. She's coming with a very specific emergency to a very specific someone. You have need 
and helper. That couldn't be more blunt, right? My daughter is demon-possessed and she's suffering terribly and she's traveled miles to meet the Jesus that she heard was somewhere in the area. He has left the region of Galilee. He has left where the Pharisees just came up and wanted to talk about who washes their hands before they eat bread and who doesn't wash their hands before they eat bread. And now she comes up pleading and saying, Lord, only disciples use that word in the Gospel of Matthew. There's never a single hypocrite or Pharisee or unbeliever that ever calls Jesus Lord in the Gospel of Matthew. She comes and she says, Lord, son of David, you, Messiah guy, I know, I've heard, and I believe it. Messiah guy, I'm coming for you. You, have mercy on me. Lord, with faith, son of David, have mercy on me. Now on the outside, you could be like, okay, this is just stranger Jane coming down sitting in the front pew and I have no idea if she's just saying the words but I don't know what's going on in the heart. You could say that oh, with the disciples that they, here's a stranger lady and we don't know what's really going on inside her heart but we know there's a big need on her mind, Mama Bear, and we know that she's coming to Jesus. Jesus, would you, would you do something? Are you surprised? Are you surprised by what Jesus like doesn't do? And are you surprised by what he does say? Jesus remains silent. Is that the first shock? Jesus remains silent. He did not answer a word. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. The full-throttled proclamation of a believer. The petition. And he doesn't answer a word. Is she comforted? Does it matter? The disciples are now engaged. I can't read and you can't read Jesus' mind and heart why his lips stay zipped. But I do know the result. The disciples can't just not pay attention to her. They're drawn into the story. I do know that that's what happens in the next verse. So maybe Jesus' silence to the loud chirp of the stranger on the outside is something that draws the disciples in to this story. You, come here. You need to see this. You should take a step back. Take a step back in the Gospel of Matthew and recognize that on the one hand, in Matthew 14, you have the feeding of 5,000. And at the end of the feeding of 5,000 to a that was a miracle for a whole lot of thousands, right? And at the end of that, Jesus gets in a boat because they want, you know, they want this bread king. They're just so enamored with the miracle, they don't care about the mercy. And so he gets in a boat and crosses the lake with his disciples. And then, you know, people follow and come around, the, and Pharisees show up, and Jesus is still doing miracles and healing people, right? And the Pharisees show up, and after all this bread thing happened, with plenty of bread left over, right? Coming out the woodwork with 12 basketfuls picked up at the end, right? Bread, bread, bread. Then the Pharisees say, did your disciples wash their hands before they ate that bread? Because that's cleanliness, Roz, right? We don't do unclean things. We're the clean people, the religious, the insiders of God, right? So that just happened, and Jesus says, get away from them. 
Jesus says, get away from the people you label religious, from the people you expect have their front foot already in heaven because they're so sparkly clean and shiny. They've done nothing unclean in their lives. Get away from them, Jesus says. They're blind guides. They'll take you nowhere. They don't know where they're going. They don't know the way. They're on the wrong bridge to heaven, right? They're filled up with this arrogance of themselves. He says, get away from them. So you back out of this story, you have the feeding of the 5,000, you have this rebuke, and the disciples are like, Jesus, you just offended the Pharisees. Like, you just took down the religious elite. You can't do that. Whoa! And Jesus is like, "Uh uh-uh, you go out from them. You come out from them. If you have that little arrogant boast, boast in your heart that you belong here for any other reason than Jesus is your Savior, that you're at Living Savior Lutheran Church and you're a part of it for any other reason than Jesus had mercy on you, a sinner, come out and come in to his story. Jesus has these disciples see faith. He looks at those Pharisees and they said, they got nothing in the heart. They have nothing with God. No trust, no love, no forgiveness, no mercy. They're missing all the meat and potatoes. Come away, church of God. Can you come away with me today? Can we kind of, you know, get the calluses off or the, you know, whatever age you have in the congregation, how much maturity you have in a Christian faith? Can we, can we not rely on anything? We strip it all bare and raw and come like a Canaanite? I think that's there in this story. Look at this. Jesus is silent and you're drawn in. Now what? He says, and in Greek, the first word is a not. And you need to know that. It's like if somebody giving you an answer and they're already shaking their head. Jesus says, not sent. I'm not sent. I'm not sent is the first thing he says in the Greek. I'm not sent except. There's there's one, there's one little, okay, he's my little baby, right? To the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm not sent, I'm not sent to anyone except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He says it. And you're like, whoa, wait, what? Now maybe he means house of Israel as it was always intended. Was Abraham more righteous and clean and that's why God picked him and said, I'm making you into a nation? Was that house of Israel, the house of Israel, by grace and faith or by merit and strength and smarts and something else? None of that other stuff, right? It was always built. It was always set up. It was always proclaimed and it was always promised by grace through faith. Abraham, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make you into a great nation and I'm going to bless all people through you. It was God's thing. It was not deserved. There's never a lick of that about the story, right, of Abraham. So this house of Israel, this lost sheep of Israel, Jesus may have in mind, but he's also using the language that people were very used to hearing. She probably heard this. By the way, you can try Jesus, but most of the Jews, you know, they're really exclusive. Like they close their doors to the Gentiles. You know, they don't treat you the same way. You're on the outside. You're an outsider. They're on the inside, right? They're the house, the house of God, the house of the Lord. They belong there. You're not. You're like a neighbor down the street that they don't want to talk to. So the Canaanite hears that. The disciples are, sir, used to hearing that, right? And then there's Jesus 
who says these words and includes lost. I don't know about you, but something about lost might put a little foot in the door for mercy for someone lost like me. Well, how does she respond? I'm not sent except for my baby, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm not sent. And she comes close. She comes right before Jesus. Do you hear that language? How does she respond? She's like, oh, nuts. I'm out. Nope. Mama Bear goes right up to Jesus and she came and knelt before him. She's all out beggar mode, right? She's not too proud to do this. She's not too arrogant to say these words. She says, Lord, Lord again, help me. She says, put me in your arms. I'm going to be your baby. I'm making the claim that all those Jews who get in line for their, their daily miracles from your hand, I'm, I'm getting in that line. Help me. Not lost sheep of Israel, if that's the language that you're using, help me. If you think Jesus is being tough, she's passing the test. He must have known. And how does Jesus respond? First word out of his lips, not. Not right. Not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. It's not right. Not. He starts, you see the finger wagging and the head shaking. Not right to take the children's bread and feed it to the dogs. She says, I get that. Yes, but. She doesn't really contradict him. She's not argumentative. Yes, Lord, but let me explain. Even in that picture you painted Jesus, don't the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table? Isn't there still bread, leftovers? I'll take it. You give me the smallest crumb, I'll take it. Because it's from you. It's your help. It'd be your bread, master. Everything so far has expressed like a barrier in the way for her. And the littleness, she's called a Canaanite. I don't know if I said this before. I guess I probably didn't. It's the only time in the whole New Testament you see the word Canaanite. When's the last time you heard about a Canaanite? That was a long time ago. Like those are the people to kick out of the promised land, right? This is the only time in the entire New Testament you have the word Canaanite. She's a Canaanite woman. In Mark's gospel, it's Syrophoenician woman, which is that coastal area, Tyre and Sidon. This is the region that he had gone to. Canaanite, could you be any smaller in the eyes of the religious, the Bible readers, the faithful, the few and the proud, the Israelites? Could you be smaller than to be a Canaanite? Oh, she's a Canaanite. Could you be, because it's not just boundaries. It's not United States and Canada. This is religious stuff going on. This is pagan idolatry for centuries and years. That's your reputation. And our reputation is the people of the Lord. We've been trying to fix our act the last 400 years since we were in exile, right? We're the people of God. We are not the people of God. We worship at the temple. You worship whatever you do in your weird worship of your weird idols. You're the Canaanites. And here she comes on her knees just fine being the beggar. 
I, I'll put two hands out, but I'll put one finger, Jesus. If it's just one crumb, it's just fine for me. All the littleness of the language is right here in front of you. All the littleness of it, just one finger. Did you come to church today knowing that if just a drop, just a drop of the water of life or the bread of heaven, just that little bit were given to you, as long as it was Jesus' name, that'd be all that you needed? Did you come with that kind of confidence and trust? Great. Jesus flips the script right in front of the disciples. The Canaanite woman begging. Jesus looks and at the end of all this, because he pushed her back to the wall and broke that that clay jar open, the jar of clay, you got to see the treasure inside. Crumbs, crumbs, crumbs are fine for me. There it is. Jesus looks at that and he says, great. It's the first value word that finally throws her a bone, right? But at the fruit of it all, in the celebration of it all, does, does her heart lift? Does she say, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. Crumbs for the dogs, crumbs for the dogs. He says, great, you have great faith. I'm saying it out loud for you and I'm saying it out loud for my disciples to listen in. This is great faith. Your assimilation project is right here. Lord, teach me to be like the Canaanite woman. She's my hero of faith. Why? Because no matter what, no matter where she was from or what she had done, she had confidence in the Son of God, her Savior. There are two great pitfalls for you on the road of faith, and they always show themselves. One is arrogance and the other despair, like ditches on the side of the road. Arrogance or despair. And both of them betray the truths that you see in this Canaanite woman. When someone despairs of the help of God, it's they don't have confidence that crumbs of Jesus are still for me, that dogs still get the crumbs. There's no confidence that Jesus would help me. Maybe you've done the really wicked, sinful thing, and you've lost confidence that you belong here. And some people don't come back to church because I can't be me when I go to that church. If I'm honest with God and I'm honest with myself, he would know too much, and he would say no to me. And you've lost the faith that is on its knees with confidence to say, give me the crumbs from the table. I'm okay being on the floor because I know you. I know you give crumbs to the floor. Despair. Get out of my heart. Get out of yours. God loves you. And the blood of Jesus is its proof that can never be taken away. Or there's this arrogance that denies the fact that we're all beggars. All of humanity, any visitor that walks in that door, they come in with their little finger held out for a crumb. And I don't deserve it, right? That's, That's the reality of it. But the arrogance to say, 
oh, we're better, oh, I've spent years, oh, I've got all of this, or the arrogant, whatever you settle your heart on that loses the beating pulse of Christianity. Don't mistake it. That arrogant pride, that's a lie. That's a big old lie. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Those were the lines from 1 John that we used in our confession of faith earlier, right? We all begin worship. How? How do we begin worship? You can smile and do smile. You can hug, do hug. You can greet and warm and do your Sunday morning together. But you know what we all do? We all come and together, together, every last one of us, we say, Lord, have mercy on me because it's true. If not for your mercy, Lord, I have nothing. Please, I beg you, it must be mercy. Because mercy is what someone who doesn't deserve anything requires. It must be by your grace because it sure can't come any other way into my hand. Away from me, arrogance. Who do you think you are? That person in church that's so in need of the cure and the healing. It's you. Canaanite woman, it's you. Dog on the floor, it's you. And it's me. But the crumbs fall, don't they? And that's the church God makes with this crazy claim of absolute sin and the crazier claim of sins forgiven in Christ, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Now you tell me what that means for your next week. You tell me what that means for our congregation as we meet new people and talk to them about being Christian. Tell me what that means for your walk of faith in this world. You are a people who celebrate crumbs that fall from the table. You make a space for anybody, no matter where they're from or no matter what they've done, because that's true for you too, Gentile. That's true for you too, sinner. And it's true for every last person on the planet. But yeah, we get to come here and sit at the Lord's table. And when he puts the baskets out and sends out his disciples, they don't go empty-handed. There's plenty of bread. There's leftovers. And they fall to the ground. This story concludes, and you know what happens in the next chapter? The feeding of the 4,000. It's a double whammy. It's a sandwich. Where bread belongs, right? We've got the meat and potatoes here in the middle. Jesus' incredible gift for you. The forgiveness of your sins, help for your need, always. No despair, no arrogance, just Jesus. That's great faith. Amen.